This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Pee Wee Gaskins implicated Jim Beatty in the 1982 assassination of death row inmate Rudolf Tyner. When poison snuck into the prison didn't work, Gaskins conned Jim into mailing him 50 feet of wire that he used to detonate the bomb that blew off Tyner's head. Mortified at his unwitting involvement in the murder, denied from ever communicating with Pee-wee again, and concerned for his family, Jim ditched the book he was writing about Pee-wee, and the family moved from South Carolina for a fresh start. As the Beatties began this new phase of their lives, Pee-wee sat on death row, awaiting his fate. Pee-wee was a proponent of the death penalty, believe it or not, except his own. And when that first bolt hit him, she jumped out of her seat and screamed. Just as grand slow, but this grand. That was quite a tale. Pee-wee Gasset was nobody's friend. From iHeartRadio and Doghouse Pictures, this is... Pee-wee Gaskins was not my friend. My name is Jim Beatty. And I'm Jeff Keating. The Pee-wee saga left a full impression on everyone in the Beatty family. Jim was nearly finished with the manuscript about the life and times of Pee-wee Gaskins when he heard the shocking news about Pee-wee's final murder. I learned from the newspaper that Pee-wee Gaskins had uh, committed this murder of Rudolph Tyner. And quite frankly, my first thought was, wow, there goes my manuscript. 
I somehow always wanted to see some good or something worthwhile in Gaskins himself. And I spent so many hours with him finding out that there were human traits that no one ever mentioned or ever talked about. So when I heard what had happened, I realized I would never get to visit him again. Jim was barred from visiting the prison for a second time in his life. The first was as a child when two inmates killed a prison captain in a failed attempt to assassinate his grandpa Wilson, the prison warden. The second as a 42-year-old professor when Pee Wee implicated him in the murder of Rudolph Tyner. These events weighed heavily on Jim, and in spite of Anita's encouragement, he didn't have the heart to finish the book. I said, it just looks like the way I wanted to go with the book, I can't. And here he's murdered again. And she really was very consoling, as she always has been with this entire project. But we discussed that, and she said, oh, no, the book, that's not over. But I did put it aside. Not only did Jim put the manuscript on the shelf, but he and Anita decided it was time to move. We visited Atlanta every Christmas and loved it. And we moved to Atlanta. I worked at Georgia Tech almost right away in their grant division. I wrote grants all my adult life. It was just something that I knew how to do. I taught the freshman English classes and the wonderful Western Lit class. I think they called it English 201. Those were the only three courses that I taught at Georgia State. I always consoled my students in telling them that they were not the lowest form on the campus the part-time instructor is. I left Georgia State to teach at a wonderful place called Beulah. It was Beulah Heights Bible College then, and then became Beulah Heights University. But that's the reason I stopped teaching at Georgia State. I had a full-time tenured job at uh, Beulah Heights. I did poverty work all my life. So we went to the Open Door Community, which is legendarily historic, and it's opening up Atlanta to homelessness as an issue, and they're offering shelter. A bitter winter day in 1985 proved life-changing. We were volunteering at the Open Door Community on a Saturday, taking our children to do their community duty. The mother walked in, and she had this blonde, blue-eyed baby in her arms. So I just reached out, and she thrust him into my arms. He was dripping wet with no diaper, but he was young. I couldn't tell how old he was. He looked old enough to be walking, but he couldn't walk because he hadn't learned. And he smiled the whole time. It was cold. His eyes were running. He was roomy. It was pulling on his ears, and it was freezing cold that day. It had been nine degrees a night. She asked me to come over, and she puts him out to me to take. And I took him, and he smelled like a urinal. And was pulling his little ears, and his big blue eyes were so gorgeous. But this running nose, just a mess. So when she got ready to leave, she grabbed him, took him out, tied him in a metal stroller with a rope of rags, and he 
was going back out in this bitter cold, freezing weather with no cap, no scarf, no gloves, nothing. And his little hands were red. His face was windburned from the cold. And he reached back, not at me, but, you know, the warmth, I'm sure. And she slapped him and said, bad boy. And I just stood there weeping. I found myself looking for this little mom and baby on the streets. And so I called the TV station and said, you got to do something about this baby, this mother. The baby's going to die out in this weather. And unbeknownst to me, they called DFACS, and, and I had called DFACS too. And DFACS took custody of him and called me and said, you put your money where your mouth is. We have a baby and we need you to take him now, tonight. And Anita called me. I was at Georgia State working. She said, can we have a baby this weekend? And I said, I don't know, but I'll certainly give it a try. And she said, that's not what I mean. So I ride my motorcycle into the driveway and our little house on Moores Mill Road. And I open the door and here comes this little toddler toward me. And he puts out his little arms when he gets to me. And I picked him up, and I remember till my grave, his little hot hand on the back of my neck. And I walked into the living room and said to the worker there who had brought him, holy shit. And sure enough, he never left. And we immediately got into the adoption track. Adopting a homeless child inspired and changed Jim and Anita. While looking to save a toddler from the freezing streets, Anita met members of an ad hoc group formed by Atlanta Mayor Andrew Young after 17 people on the street froze to death in 1981. This group soon became the Metro Atlanta Task Force for the Homeless, and Jim and Anita were the first two people hired to run the nonprofit. Leadership positions they held for over 30 years. As the nonprofit's executive director, Anita opened the doors wide to those others cast aside. Former Atlanta Mayor Andrew Young said, Anita didn't just adopt a child. She adopted thousands of people whom she accepted responsibility for. Jim worked for the task force, taught at Beulah Heights, and returned to his passion as a writer. He authored a faith-based English grammar book called Sacred Ground that he used to teach adults in preparation for GED exams. I learned through Pee Wee an entire level of societies that I didn't know anything about. And then from there we grew into our contact with homeless people. I didn't dream that people live like this. And I didn't dream that there would be a myriad of our society who are totally left out. But I learned of a world of people that I would have never been introduced to had it not been for those interviews with Pee Wee Gaskins. Letting go of the book and letting go of the story would be difficult for Jim. Of course, there was a lesson Jim Beatty learned through his 50-plus interviews with the murderer dubbed the meanest man in America. 
Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I've written that so many people in South Carolina, where I grew up, loved the sizzle of the electric chair. Pee-wee did. He believed that people deserved to die for things that they did. And he, of course, uh, proved that with his own behavior. Pee-wee was a proponent of the death penalty, believe it or not, except his own. He, of course, was against that. Pee-wee Gaskins murdered 14 people. His victims were mostly poor, with little education. They were friends, lovers, carnival workers, crew members from his burglary ring, and murder for hire. Eight of his victims were women, and most of them under 25 years old. Janice Kirby and Patty Allsbrook were beaten to death. Pee-wee poisoned Clyde Dix and threw her body on the side of the road. He drowned pregnant Doreen Dempsey and her two-year-old biracial daughter, Robin. He shot dead his friend Johnny Sellers. He stabbed Jesse Judy, supposedly the love of his life. He killed Barnwell Yates in a murder for hire. 
He stabbed Diane Bellamy and her boyfriend Avery Howard with a Campbell soup knife. Pee-wee killed Kim Gelkins with that same knife. He shot Dennis Bellamy and his brother Johnny Knight. And finally, he blew up Rudolf Tyner in prison with a handmade bomb. Police discovered that Pee-wee Gaskins murdered these victims while they were searching for Kim Gelkins. He was a liar and a killer, and while he avoided the death sentence for murdering 13 friends, family, and theft ring members, he was a dead man walking for killing Rudolf Tyner. And right before he was put to death, it was reported that Donald Pee-wee Gaskins tried to commit suicide by slashing his arms about 24 hours before his slated execution. He was found unconscious but alive and received 20 stitches. Here's Brenda Peyton Chase. She interviewed Pee-wee's son for the local news and was chosen to join a pool of witnesses for the execution. In 1991, I was working at the Florence Morning News we found out that I was going to get to witness the execution maybe a couple of weeks beforehand. We didn't have a lot of notice, so that's when we really started ramping up the coverage and kind of going back and reviewing all of the different cases that he was involved with. Fry him, fry him, fry him like a chicken. People of his kind are ripe for the picking. The night of the execution, I can still see a lot of that night in my mind because we met at the very front of the Central Correctional Center in Columbia, South Carolina. A rowdy crowd of about 400 people in favor of the death penalty came to the Broad River Correctional Institution to cheer Pee Wee Gaskins' death. But some had personal reasons to come, like family members of some of Gaskins' murder victims. Dennis Bellamy, Johnny Knights, and Diane Neely were our sister and brothers. And they did killed a long time ago. So, tonight ain't gonna bring them back. It was midnight or so. We met at the front, and then they loaded us all onto a van, and we were driven back. It felt like about a mile. We were driven to the very back where they housed the electric chair at the time. We had to sign these forms, and they put us in this room, and it was almost like a little miniature movie theater kind of a venue. There were three or four rows of seating, and I was on the second row, and the curtains were drawn at the time, and then all of a sudden, the curtains opened, and this chair is just sitting there, and it was kind of ominous at the time. South Carolina's electric chair was purchased in 1912. It's made of oak and copper and is the size of a standard rocking chair. Over the past hundred years, it has killed more than 250 people, including two women and a 14-year-old boy. After we were seated, they brought him in. A much smaller crowd gathered outside the governor's mansion for a candlelight vigil against the death penalty. And there were three or four employees who brought him into the room. 
And it was amazing because at that point, they had shaved his head, and he had put on a lot of weight in jail over the years, and he kind of looked like a grandpa. It was kind of like, oh, my gosh, this man couldn't hurt anybody. What are they doing? And he kind of shuffled in because they had him in handcuffs and chains, and he still had some bandages on his wrist where he had tried to kill himself. And they put him in the chair. And I've always wondered to this day if they had given him some type of sedative because he seemed way too calm or relaxed. But no last-minute stays came through, and Pee Wee Gaskins was strapped into the electric chair. And his attorney sat right in front of me, Kelly, and he gave her a little thumbs-up sign, like, I'm okay, it's okay, because she was visibly upset, and she was just trying to hold it together. When asked if he had any last words, Pee Wee said, I'll let my lawyers talk for me. I'm ready to go. And then they put the covering over his head and started attaching the piece that went on top that was going to electrocute him. When they covered his face, she really became very upset. And I found the reaction of her more disturbing than what was going on with him because she had worked with him for years trying to get him off and just get it commuted to a life sentence. They left the room, and I believe there were three short volts of electricity that lasted seconds. The first volt of electricity went into him. The body does kind of reflex, even though he was strapped down. And then it was like all the breath went out of him. And then I believe they do two more light volts of electricity just to make sure it's complete. And there was no reaction at that. And then they came in and pronounced him dead. Electricity was turned on to the electric chair at 104. It turned off at 106. He was pronounced dead at 110. We have carried out this execution with as much humanity and dignity as possible. I think one of the most dramatic things for me and the most disturbing, I can still see it to this day, his attorney Kelly was right in front of me and when that first volt hit him and she saw the reaction of him, she jumped out of her seat and screamed and then faced away to the wall. She wouldn't look anymore. And that was probably the All witnesses were required to sign off on the death certificate and then driven back to the prison entrance. In South Carolina, Executed inmates are cremated, then offered to any interested next of kin. If not, they are interred on prison grounds. The jeering applause from spectators as his body was driven away seemed to end the saga that would forever leave its mark on the state. Pee Wee Gaskin's ashes were claimed by his daughter and scattered near Prospect, South Carolina. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. 
With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Jim and Anita moved their family to South Carolina in 1991, nearly a decade before Pee Wee was executed. The day of Pee Wee's execution, they were out of town. Anita and I were visiting our son Frank in New York City, and we happened to read a New York Times, uh, not knowing that the execution had taken place the day before, and the left-hand column of the first page of the New York Times had an article about the state having executed him. And the reason that he made the front page of the New York Times is that he was one of those rare and unbelievable instances where a white person was executed for killing a black person in America. This is highly unusual. Rare, but it happened. That 1991 New York Times article is entitled Rarity for U.S. Executions, White Dies for Killing Black. Of the nearly 16,000 executions carried out in the United States, only 30 have been whites who killed blacks, the paper reported. In the history of South Carolina, no white person had been executed for killing a black person since 1880. He loved making the front page, but not for the reason that it really happened. The ultimate irony is he experienced the justice of the state on him for killing an African-American teenager. The Pee Wee saga was the biggest news story in South Carolina between 1975 and 1983, and then again for the month leading up to his execution. 
The whole saga impacted many people in this podcast. Holly Gatling had been a young police reporter for the Florence Morning News. Sometimes think this story is behind me. And then I got an email from the husband of Doreen Dempsey's half-sister. And this was a few months ago. I, I really felt that we needed to find out where Doreen was buried. And there was no information about that anywhere. So I spent a few years kind of looking into it a little bit and not really the finding remains. Where is Doreen's body and the baby? They can't find a grave. They can't find a paper trail for where the remains may be. Were they cremated? Are they in a funeral home genuine, like I would really like to find their resting place. The names, uh, I, I think, Barnes... Cecil Chandler was a TV reporter in Myrtle Beach. This is something you read about or watch on television, but you don't actually think it happens in your area. Let me tell you, this happened in Florence County, and it was a real deal for a man that killed more than a dozen people. And uh, the book Margaret O'Shea was in her 20s and a newspaper reporter in the late 1970s. Even though bringing it up again is hurtful to some people, it offers closure to others. It's definitely not a glorification of a criminal, but something that kind of puts into historical context why things happen. Sooner or later down the road, eventually we may understand it as a piece of a bigger puzzle. But my assignment was that one. Ira Parnell was 22 years old when he searched Pee Wee's burial ground. We were not able to give Pee-wee the death penalty for all these other folks that he killed because of the, the strangeness of the law at the time. But since he did do a murder for hire of a convicted murderer himself in prison, we were able to give him the death penalty and execute him. So justice grinds slow, but it does grind. That was quite a tale. Dick Harputlian was the lawyer who sought the death penalty for Rudolph Tyner's murder. You're doing your job. If it becomes personal, you need another kind of work to do. To be frank with you, his execution wasn't something I'd written down. I mean, I prosecuted the case. I'd been invited to go to the execution. I just thought that was ghoulish. I wasn't going to do that. So Chief Stewart calls me and says, Pee Wee's dead. He'd just been executed. Next morning, world went back to normal. As the world went back to normal, Jim and Anita were deeply involved working for homeless and underserved people. And the Pee Wee story would forever remain a family conversation. Here's Jim Beatty Jr. talking with his dad and sister Lysa. There was a moment when dad described to me the knife going through the neck and throat of one of the victims and how it gave as it went through. It may have been the torso. I can't remember. But there was something about the description of how Pee-wee killed that particular victim that had a great deal of impact on me. Yeah, that was Jesse Judy. He stabbed her in her abdomen. And, and lifted up. Yeah. Oh, I could have gone the rest of my life without hearing that one. Mark Beatty is one of the older children in the family. Here he reminds his parents of a particular time in Jim's home office. 
One time it was late, it was dark, you're at your desk and the lamp was there. And I walked up and you were like, how about this? And you plopped down a black and white and it was a police photo of, I'm not sure which young woman it was. Now he had poured acid on her. It was almost unrecognizable as a person. And I think he just kind of wanted to jolt me a little bit. You know what I mean? I was in college. It was okay. It wasn't like I was eight. Well, one of the things that happened was the younger three needed more protection because y'all were older. And I'm not sure who dared them to look at autopsy photographs. Because remember dad's desk? And he locked most of those horrible things in his desk. Never looked at it. I knew they were there. I never looked. Well, somehow the little ones got hold of it. The younger ones were scared to death of Pee-wee. They pretended they could see little tiny hands at the windows all the time. So, but yeah. it wasn't because Dad didn't protect everybody. He protected us extremely well. As we began this season of our true crime podcast series called Crime Traveler, Jim was back editing the manuscript about Pee-wee Gaskins. There were so many stories to tell so many characters to introduce, and so many facts to flesh out that Jim and Anita talked through it regularly. Jim wrote and rewrote chapter after chapter with number two pencils on yellow legal notepads. Anita typed and retyped each page. Every decision about the story was reviewed together, how to unfold the characters and how they talked, how the murders were tied together, and how much detail to give, how much to depend on Pee-wee's own storytelling, and how much to rely on legal documents and Jim's own research. The characters around Pee-wee bring to mind the various characters in Charles Dickens, the marvelous way that he has depicted so many different people. And I saw or felt as I was writing the same kind of thing with these characters that surrounded Pee-wee. Everybody from Johnny Sellers to Dennis Bellamy to Diane Bellamy Neely. My Jim is so wonderful in capturing everything about Pee-wee, not just the horror, not just the seemingly emotionless killer, but also an aspect of Pee-wee that shouldn't be just ignored in discussing him as a mass murderer. He didn't redeem him because he wasn't redeemable. But he did bring those in, and I think that's part of the genius of the way Jim wrote that book. The attention given to the victims and their intimate moments became part of Jim and Anita's own relationship. They discussed the people Jim wrote about in his book. He had his favorites. Johnny Sellers. He was a cut above all the others. He was the one that I thought had most promise. And I also liked Jesse Judy because she was based on Anita. Anita was Jesse Judy. Johnny Sellers was Carl Sellers' older brother who was never in trouble with the law and went to work for Pee Wee. Stealing dealings, Pee Wee would say, and just walked out one night to his death. I beg your pardon. That was on a Sunday around noon. Killed him right before he killed Jesse. So much time spent thinking about these real-life victims became a focal point in Jim's view of the world. His voice in this podcast 
gives them a humanity that television and newspaper reporters didn't have the airtime or printed words to develop. A fellow professor encouraged Jim to finish polishing his manuscript, which he did as he battled with lymphoma and began this podcast. His friend encouraged him to send it to a publisher. It sits, ready to be read, the story born from the interviews between these two men, Pee Wee and Jim. The day that I didn't return the radio to Pee Wee's mother, as I promised I would, I was going to make a talk that night at Coastal to somebody about the book. The people waited for the book and wanted it. And surely, here enough, 40 years later, it's going to be. Our podcast has been the story of how a murderer influenced a writer. While Jim's battle with cancer was going well, he was diagnosed with COVID pneumonia and hospitalized two days after his 85th birthday in the spring of 2021. Three weeks later, with his family at his bedside, he heard the first episode of Pee Wee Gaskins was not my friend. Just a few hours before he passed away. I think that those two years that I was with Pee Wee helped cement what I consider to be the theme uh, of our family. Through it all, at the end of the day, when the sun goes down, the love and I can hardly say it without crying. But the love that we have for each other is constant and will remain. Always, we are a family whose foundation is love. Kiwi Gaskins Was Not My Friend is a joint production from iHeartRadio and Doghouse Pictures. Produced and hosted by Jeff Keating. Executive producers are Courtney DeFries and Noel Brown. Written by Jim Roberts, Courtney DeFries, and Terry James. Edit, mix, and sound design by Jeremiah Kulani Prescott. Music composed by Diamond Street Productions, Spencer Garn, and Ian Newberry. Special thanks to Jim and Anita Beatty. Additional thanks to the University of South Carolina Moving Image Research Collections and the University of South Carolina. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.